And so this morning, I'm going to in, introduce you to, to Zane. And many of you guys know Pastor Zane here. He's always called affectionately Mr. Zane in the children's ministry. And there's been a transition in his role uh, over uh, since last year. We brought that out during COVID when we weren't gathering. And so it's easy to slip through the communication streams. Uh, he has been our elementary minister for a long time around here and affectionately called Mr. Zane. He is now our groups minister, groups outreach and digital discipleship minister here. He mentioned to me before the service, he's like, I guess that makes me the minister of God. Groups, outreach, and discipleship are the, I'm like, no, 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 we're going to go dog here. You're the minister of dog, like digital discipleship, outreach, and, and groups. And so we're going to go backwards there. But, um, but that is who he is. And so he's going to be bringing this uh, to us here in just a moment. So if you will, will you please pray with me? And then we'll jump into God's word here together. But Father, we just want to tell you once again, Lord, we love you. And we praise you and thank you, Lord Jesus, for the privilege that we get to come and, and have fellowship with one another here at a building in freedom. God, and we recognize that all around the world, people don't always have that privilege. And so, Jesus, we just simply say thank you to be able to worship you in this context this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do a work in us, Father, where um, we would be incredibly intentional in the way that we do relationship with one another. Father, that we wouldn't take it for granted, that we would always be pressing in towards uh, truth um, in your gospel, in your word. And, Lord, that uh, you would come and have your way in us. God, I pray that you do work here at DBC, that we would have authentic community here, and that it wouldn't just be um, dinner groups or friendships, but, Father, that we would continue to press into you, that you would have your way in us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We give you our time. Would you make us ready hearers uh, and ready listeners today? And so, again, we, we give you our time, and it's in Jesus' mighty and holy name that we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thanks, Aaron. Well, good morning, everyone. Morning. Aaron's afraid to call me the God pastor because that upsets the hierarchy. <laughs> so he chooses dog. Uh, my name's, like he said, I'm Pastor Zane. I've been here on the pastoral staff at DBC for about five years now. And uh, I'm excited to just share with you guys today some things that the Holy Spirit's been teaching me through, through God's word about groups and community. And um, if you've been looking around and paying attention, you don't have to be paying close attention to know that 2020 was a tough year on community. 2021 remains a tough year for community. We felt disconnected from each other. I felt disconnected from the body of Dallas Bible Church. You know, Aaron mentioned that Christ in the New Testament and the Apostle Paul refers to the church as a body. And, and I wonder if it's possible that maybe we're disconnected from some of the necessary body parts. So a body needs hands to function the way God designed it. It needs feet to function the way God designed it. It needs guts to function the way God designed it. And the Bible says that each of us play a function in the body of Christ that is necessary to fulfilling the mission to make disciples in all the world. And if you're like me, you've perhaps felt disconnected from integral parts of the body, like you've lost a limb, or you've lost a major organ, or you've lost uh, your feet, because we need one another to be one and to pursue the mission that Christ has given us. I, uh, I sang in the choir when I was a, a little boy growing up in a Southern Baptist church in Huntington, West Virginia, and, and I sat next to a man in choir named Frank. And Frank was, I mean, he was 40 years older than me, just a person of an incredible sunny disposition, just always positive and joyful. And I grew up alongside of Frank, and when I was attending a church in college, Frank happened to be there too. And because of a, a medical issue, I think it was diabetes, 
Frank ended up having to have both of his legs amputated from the knee down. Um, incredibly tragic and sad, but he kept his sunny disposition and his joyfulness even through that. So I remember checking in on Frank on a Sunday morning whenever I was in college and saying, you know, how, how are you doing? I know you had this major procedure. And he said, Zane, I'd be doing a lot better if I, if I couldn't feel my feet. I said, feel your feet? I thought he was making some kind of a joke. You, you know, here's a man who's been amputated from the leg down. He said, yeah, I can still feel my feet. Uh, they hurt or they itch. Um, or I feel sensation down in them, even though I don't have them. And uh, if you're familiar, I don't know if you've ever experienced an amputation. I have not, or if anyone walking with us online has experienced this. Um, this is apparently a pretty common phenomenon in the amputee community. It's called a phantom limb, where you lose a limb, maybe your arm, but you can still feel feelings in your brain. It's when the chemicals and the neurons in our brain and to our arms and legs get mixed up. It sends the sensation of something there, even though there's not. And sometimes it can be painful. For me, this past year, I have felt phantom pains in community because there's pieces of my life in the body of Christ that are just gone. Things that I need to be a better disciple that are just gone, and I can still feel their presence. I know they should be there, but they're painful and they're gone. So how do we fill the gaps in our life for community? God has decided that it's best for us to follow Jesus in, in, in community with one another as disciples to point each other closer, but I think some of us are disconnected. So how do we fill community gaps in our own life? For the sake of our message today, and you can be turning to Acts chapter 1, I'm going to define community gaps as this. A community gap is a missing relationship necessary for growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ. We need people in our lives to make us more like Jesus. If you've ever tried to follow him on your own, you know that's impossible. A community gap, a missing relationship necessary for growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, let's take a look at Acts chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can open to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be working out of verses 12 through the end of the chapter. The disciples in Acts chapter 1 certainly have a community gap. They are certainly disconnected from a body part that they knew in the past. In fact, probably two body parts. The context of Acts 1 is Jesus has gathered his disciples and, and he's taken them up to the Mount of Olives. This is after he has been crucified, buried, and resurrected. And he appears to them on the Mount of Olives and he gives them a job to do. The job is this. Make disciples in all the world. Be a witness of my resurrection to the entire world. I've trained you up as disciples. Now go do it. And uh, if there are any kids here who have been with me in children's ministry, I love telling this part of the story. As uh, Jesus is talking to them, I mean, it really feels like a cartoon. He begins to levitate up into the sky, and they're watching him go. And he disappears behind a cloud, and an angel appears behind them and says, Men of Galilee, God has given you a task, now go do it. That's Acts chapter 1. So we pick up in verse 12. Uh, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. So after Jesus has given them this task, it's about a Sabbath day walk from the city. That's kind of a colloquial expression. It means about a half a mile to a mile or so, about from like here to Brentfield. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were, look at these names, Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So we have here a picture. We have the disciples. They have left the Mount of Olives, and they've gone to pray with the other followers of Jesus. 
But if you know Scripture well, and you know the New Testament well, you know that there's someone missing in this number. Let's do a quick sound off real quick. What do we see? We see Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. That's 11 disciples. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know how many disciples did Jesus choose? 12. That's right. Yeah. Jesus chose 12 disciples, and we're missing one, which begs the question, where did he go? Well, if you know the story, you know the one we're missing is a disciple named Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' close friends, walked with him, worshiped with him, wept with him for three years, until at the end of Jesus' ministry, he betrays Jesus and hands him over to his enemies, and Jesus gets crucified. So we have 11 disciples, and Peter's about to address the elephant in the room. Hey, where's Judas? We have a community gap. Here's what it says, verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group of about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas. Hey, we, we knew about Judas. This is not a surprise. Who served as a guide for those arresting Jesus. He was one of our ministry and shared in our ministry. And then some of your Bibles have this in parentheses. This is Luke giving us some detail. Verse 18, Luke says, With the payment he, Judas, received for his wickedness, he bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. That is so gross, Luke. Gracious. He is a doctor. Uh, everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called that field in their language, Akadelma, which is the field of blood. For, this is Peter continuing to talk, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, pay attention to this, it is necessary. It's not optional. It's not a choice. It is necessary. If we are going to fulfill the job that Jesus gave us to do to be witnesses to all the world, for us to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among them, beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So Peter identifies the problem. We are missing one. We are missing Judas Iscariot. And God chose 12 disciples for a reason. He wants us to go accomplish this purpose and become better disciples and make disciples for Jesus. So we got to pick someone who's going to be an apostle with us and be authoritative on this issue. And we can't just pick anyone. We need someone very specific to add to our number. Which leads me to our first point. How do we fill community gaps in our own life? How do we make sure we're surrounding ourselves with good discipleship, life-giving community? Well, Peter models it. We have to identify our need. Identify our need. How do you fill community gaps in your life? The first step is to identify your need. Now, I think a lot of us in the church are, are, are way too passive about identifying the needs in our lives. God has surrounded us with a miraculous body of believers. We are all so different from one another for a reason. And we all need each other. But I am all too often unaware of what my own personal needs of discipleship are. So I can remember a time when I was just out of college, and I knew that I had some discipleship needs in my life. I knew that I wanted to gain uh, self-control, particularly in the area of spiritual disciplines. I don't know if anyone can relate to this. It's hard. It doesn't come natural for me to wake up at 6 a.m. and read my Bible. Aaron, is that true of you? Does that come natural? He said, yes, it does. That's why he's the lead pastor. It does not come natural for me to do that. It doesn't come natural to me to spend long times in prayer. It just, just doesn't. It's hard. So I, I knew that I needed someone to teach me about this in my life. And I wanted a mentor. I wanted someone to disciple me. But I also wanted someone to teach me about leadership. 
I also wanted someone to teach me about loving my family. I wanted all these things. And so I began to ask men around me if they would disciple me, which is a really tall ask. And it's kind of awkward, right, to walk up to someone and say, hey, will you disciple me? What do you mean by that? It's kind of a weird thing. To, aren't you supposed to be a disciple of Jesus? Uh, but I was looking for that role in my life, and I wanted someone to do all of those things for me. And, and I remember clearly, I sat down one morning at Jolly Pirates Donuts on 29th Street in Huntington, West Virginia. They serve incredible donuts and gyros, if you're ever there. Gyros? Heroes? I'm not sure. Anyway, I sat down with Jason Brumfield, who was a man of incredible integrity in my life and had incredible spiritual discipline in his life. And I asked him, I said, hey, can you teach me a little bit about this? And can you teach me about leadership and loving my family and all these things? And he said, Zane, slow down. I can teach you about one of those things. God's given me a gift. I'm not a leader. I'm not good at that. I can't teach you about that. But I do know a thing or two about spiritual disciplines. And so over coffee and donuts, we talked about that. And we met week after week. And he taught me how to fast. He taught me how to pray. He taught me how to read my Bible. He never taught me about leadership. I had to go elsewhere for that. He didn't teach me about loving my family. I had to go elsewhere for that. But the first step in filling a community gap in your life is knowing what you need or what the church around you needs. Identify the need. This is what Peter does. Look at what he does. He doesn't just pick anyone random. He looks for someone who fits specific qualifications. Verse 21, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. When Jesus was taken up from us, uh, to the time of his baptism. That's what we need. We need someone who fits a unique mold, who is like the rest of us, to fill this position in our life. So that's what they began to search for. They search for someone who fits the need. Now, I have a, a, a video I'd like to show you this morning of a couple in our church that uh, I, I got to sit down with and do an interview over Zoom this past week. And they have really exemplified this well of identifying a need in their own life and a need in the church and, and seeking to fill that need with intentionality. So, Tom, do you mind showing uh, the Dunham video for us? So, my name is Tommy Dunham. I'm Amanda Dunham. And this is Ezra. Uh, we have been at Dallas Bible Church for four and a half years. Four and a half years. So, we've been here for a while. Um, we landed at DBC um, after a brief period of church hopping because um, we, we loved the teaching, we loved the commitment of DBC to building community um, and to serving the community that it's in. Coming, coming out of college, we had this really rich experience with community, um, and honestly, we kind of stumbled into it. It was a community that drew us in, um, and while we were intentional in that community, it didn't take a lot of effort or intentionality to be in it, to get into it. Um, I mean, you could look around anywhere and see people who were walking the walk really well, um, who were following Jesus as well as they could in college. Um, at any given lunch, you could run across people um, doing Bible study or praying together or sharing testimonies. Um, it was this really beautiful, natural, kind of pervasive community that we were a part of, and we, we loved it. Uh, and so it's a really high standard uh, to exit college and go into um, professional life coming, uh, coming out of that. 
And so we knew we couldn't exactly replicate it. You know, you can't do that when you're working in eight to five. Um, but we also knew that wherever we landed, we wanted to bring some of those components in to our church life and to our small group experience, things like um, just being incarnational, being around each other a lot, whether that was doing Bible study or prayer time or just having fun together. Um, something that was casual, but was also um, really deep and rooted in Christ uh, explicitly. And so we knew that we wanted to bring those things into wherever we landed. So when we started attending DVC, the kind of group that we were really looking for just didn't exist. And so we saw this need for a spot for young adults to land um, at the church and thought, hey, this is something that we're really passionate about. Um, we learned a lot about leading small groups in college. And so we thought, hey, if there's an opportunity for us to fill this gap, then we would love to do it. And so... Um, we were fortunate to connect with some of the church leadership who was really supportive of that idea and really trusted us to kind of run with it, even though we hadn't been attending DBC for a very long time. Um, and so really the decision to lead just came from that combination of having this experience from college that we wanted to you know, bring into the church, but also really wanting to fill that gap that we saw um, in, in the ministry of DBC. Our small group has really contributed to our individual uh, discipleship journeys just by giving us a lot of different perspectives when it comes to reading the Bible and knowing the Lord. When you only uh, pursue your faith in the context of you know, your individual relationship with the Lord, I think you miss out on a lot of the richness that comes from hearing what other people have to say and how other people read scripture and connect with God and um, just getting to see the diversity in our group and hear so many different thoughts and opinions and the way people read scripture has just really enriched my personal faith because it gives me new perspectives and new just new ways of looking at the Bible that I wouldn't have if I didn't have these people in my life. Yeah, I know. I mean, for me, the members of our small group have been a lot like Jesus to us and to me in particular, you know, when I've walked through some hard things over the past few years, um, you know, they were there. The, the men in my small group were praying for me and were checking in on me. Um, and I know some of the women were doing the same for Amanda. Um, and now as we're, we're celebrating the arrival of Ezra, um, they're doing the same in the great times as well. They're celebrating with us and rejoicing with us and praying for him. Um, so they have looked a lot like Jesus to us, um, and that has helped us grow to be more like him. There's a reason I show you that video, and it's because I was there for that one. When I first joined Dallas Bible Church back in 2015, our church looked a lot different. Uh, I was one of maybe a half dozen people under the age of 30 who were, were here at the time, and there was a real need. There was a real need for community in, in our body among a certain demographic. And so God was already working on Tommy and Amanda and developing their heart to create a place to meet that need uh, before I even met them. 
And, and what you didn't see in this video, and what I want to testify to, is what came after that, I think, was really where, where the magic happened. I can remember gathering with Tommy and Amanda and just a small handful of others, and just seeking the Lord, that he would let us be a community for people that need homes in Dallas, young adults who have just moved to the city, and maybe gone quickly. And so we, we asked the Lord for this for, for weeks and weeks, and he showed up. He brought it. It wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be, but over the period of four or five years, I'd say probably 40 different people kind of came in and came out of that group, moving in and out of Dallas to find godly community at DBC. And it was because a group of people identified a need and they sought to fill that need. So my question to you is, what need do you see in your own heart and your own life and your community that you need filled? Do you need a patient friend? Do you need a faithful friend? Do you need a friend that's good at time management? Or do you want to fill a need that's around you? Do you look around at Dallas Bible Church and see, here's a gap. Here's a gap of community that I can step into. That's what Peter does in Acts chapter 1. He identifies the specific need for his community. And that need is to appoint a man who is with them from the baptism of Jesus to his resurrection and ascension to fill among their number. How do you fill a community gap? Number one, you identify a need. But you don't stop there. How do you fill a community gap? You identify a need, but you also need to pursue the need prayerfully. Look at what the disciples do in verse 23. So they nominated two men. Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice. I would just go by Justice and Matthias. Then they pray. They say, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. So they, they saw their need, they found two guys, and they took it before the Lord. How are we going to fill the gap in our community? We take it before the Lord with prayerful intentionality. And this is a, a spot where I think a lot of us drop the ball, is that we forget to be prayerfully intentional. We, we don't know these men elsewhere in Scripture. We don't see Justice, and we don't see Matthias elsewhere other than Acts chapter 1. I'm not sure why that is. Uh, but what we see is we see they're the men with qualifications, but more than that, they're men who are being pursued prayerfully among the body. They're not entering into community lightly. This is hard for me. I think this is often hard for men to enter into prayerful and intentional relationships. I, I can recall a time in my life, um, sort of like what Tommy and Amanda were just describing after college, where easy community was stripped away. An easy community in scripture and, and in prayer and in community was, was, was stripped away. And what I was left with were friends who shared my same interests. I had friends I could go backpacking with. I had friends I could go fishing with. I had friends that I could go hunting with. But I didn't have friends who I could seek the Lord with. And so I began to look around and see, man, I just need, I need a friend in my life who's going to fill those needs. And I began to pray about that. And I had... Um, I trust you know what I mean. I had a, a, a friend crush. You guys know what I mean? You're laughing, Taylor. A friend crush. Again, hard to talk about as a man. A, a, a friend of mine, an acquaintance that I thought, oh, he's a cool guy. I'd like to hang out with him. Uh, we share a lot of things in common. He's a man who's seeking after the Lord. And this guy's name, my friend crush's name was Dustin. And uh, he was an acquaintance of mine who I knew just kind of on the peripherals. But I contacted Dustin. I called him up and we got breakfast at a place called Bob Evans, which if you're from uh, that part of the world up in towards Ohio and West Virginia, it's, it's kind of like Cracker Barrel. It's a worse Cracker Barrel. Uh, and we sat down at Bob Evans and we had breakfast together. 
And it was like kind of like a typical like guy's breakfast. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Well, how's your family? Doing good. Uh, how about you? Well, we're doing all right. How's your career? Oh, you know, things are going okay. And, you, you know, you, you hit all those superficials, and then when you're done, oh, we should do this again sometime. Yeah, we really should. And you know in your mind, again sometime means maybe like two or three months down the road, maybe. You're not going to be close to this person. And I left Bob Evans, and I, I was convicted. And I found out later Dustin was also convicted, and the Holy Spirit was working on both of those, both of us at the same time in both of our hearts. So I pulled out my phone, and I texted him, I had a flip phone at the time, so it took some time. And I texted him, and I said, uh, Dustin, can we meet tomorrow? And he said, yeah, we can do that. So we met up at a park at a shelter. And this is one of the most poignant conversations I've ever had with a friend. So it's, it's very memorable to me. Dustin said, you know, Zane, um, we're taught as men to pursue girlfriends or wives or people around us with prayerful intentionality, putting Christ at the center of our relationships. But it's very rare for us as friends to pursue one another, putting Christ at the center of our relationships. And then he took like this awkward step and looked me in the eye and said, I want to pursue you in Christ. That's hard for a man. That's prayerful intentionality. That is hard. And I looked at him and said, well, let's do it. And we began to pray. We prayed for an hour. We prayed for two hours. Prayed for three. We studied scripture that day. We sat in that shelter until it was getting dark and we confessed sin with one another and we said, let's put Christ at the center of this relationship. That's been almost eight years ago now. Dustin calls me every week. We talk on the phone sometimes three or four times a week, often for just 10 minutes at a time. We're in the same stage of life, but he has been a brother to me when I have really needed one. He's seen the ugliest parts of Zane, the parts I don't want to show to anyone. And he's seen the wonderful parts of Zane, the parts that I do want to show to everyone. And he's been with me through all of that. And it all started with that prayerful intentionality. So who is around you, a friend or an acquaintance, that you need to take that next step with? It can be awkward. But putting Christ at the center of your relationship, coming to him with prayer and exalting one another in prayer before the Father, as Peter does with Matthias and Justice, is how you fill that community gap. I have another video I want to show you. They were here with us first service, um, but it's of Larry and Terry Dester. They've been coming with us for about a year. Yes, your name has to rhyme if you want to come to DBC. Uh, Larry and Terry have moved down here from Oklahoma uh, to be closer to family. But beyond that, they didn't have a lot of community in, in Dallas, especially in North Dallas. And, uh, and so I sat down with Larry and Terry to talk about community and prayerful intentionality. Uh, Tom, can you show the video for us? We moved to Dallas middle of December 2019, and we've been at DBC. I think we went to Discover class in January 2020, so about a year. We decided to join a small group uh, after we after we went to the Discover class. We really felt God calling us to DBC, uh, and we heard about the Connect class, so we went. And actually, the first day we went to the class we felt like it was family. They just welcomed us. Uh, it was a good place for us to share our life, where we've been, where we were going, our hopes and dreams. Uh, unfortunately, we only went about three times before COVID hit. Uh, and so then we, there we were just trying to get involved and not knowing anyone. And David and Mary were very instrumental in starting a Zoom every Sunday. And they have done that for over a year now. Um, when Larry got COVID and we had to take him to the emergency room, 
Uh, I was able to text uh, the small group of ladies in our Connect class, and within instantly, I was getting prayed for, encouraged. The men texted Larry at the hospital. So we felt like we weren't going through that journey alone, that we had people that knew us and cared for us and prayed for us. And we know that if we're sick, we need someone to go to the grocery store, people are there for us. Because we've shared life with them, they know us, they know our families and they care for us. And uh, again, without this, this last year being new to Dallas and not knowing anyone, we would have been lost and alone without these people praying and caring for us. And when I was at, I was in the emergency room, well, the, the visit was about 10 hours long. And all of a sudden I started getting texts and some of them I didn't know. So I'd have to say, uh, who is this? <laughs> so, and, uh, and they, so now I have contact, but it, it was really nice. You knew someone cared. Uh, and I appreciate that. We would recommend that, uh, people join small groups of DBC. And the reason why is there's nothing like, uh, being with a group of believers who will share your burdens. Uh, pray with you, pray for you. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of things that we've shared that I wouldn't, you know, I probably wouldn't share with my hunting buddy because I know he's not going to pray for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the bond is something that, you know, through the Holy Spirit that you know immediately that uh, you can discuss things and you know that people will love you and they won't judge you. Hunting buddies are great. You know what's better? Someone who will pray for you. Someone who knows you. Who will lift you up before the Lord. I've found that in my own life. It's great to have friends that you can go hunting with. It is incredible to have friends that lift you up before Jesus. So what step of prayerful intentionality do you need to make to fill your community gap? What the disciples do is they say, Lord, we got these two guys. We don't know who you have for our number, but we're going to lift them up before you. And, and we're going to ask you what you would have for us. Go there with each other. Go there with each other. Do it. It can be awkward. It can be strange. It's worth doing. You may form a relationship that will change your life forever. Well, so how do we fill a community gap? Well, let's follow the, 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 the demonstration of the disciples. First thing they do is they identify a need. And the second thing that they do is they prayerfully pursue that need with people around them. And then the third thing that they do, and then this is huge. This is a big, big part of it, is they embrace the person in front of them. God has put a person in front of you to embrace. Look at what the disciples do. This is kind of odd if you're, if you're new to church or new to the Bible. Verse 26, Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven disciples. Now, this process of lots, again, it's, it's kind of foreign to us. Uh, scholars are a little bit divided as to what this would exactly look like. But the idea in Scripture is that you're taking like a stone or maybe some animal bones and you're writing a name or, or an object on it and you're putting them in a bag or a jar and you're shaking it up. And like Yahtzee, you're throwing it and the one that comes out furthest is the one that God has chosen. Or you're drawing one out, and the first one you come out, like drawing straws, is the one God has chosen. And we see this intermittently throughout Scripture. This is actually the last time we see this process in the Bible. You don't see it after the coming of the Holy Spirit, which I think is important. I'm not sure exactly why it's important. That's another conversation for another time. But God has ordained, especially in the Old Testament, this process occasionally in divining his will. 
You see it whenever the, uh, the land is being broken up between the 12 tribes in the book of Joshua and 1 Chronicles. Uh, God sometimes uses this, and it feels random, right? It feels like Yahtzee. You're just throwing it out and, and seeing what God chooses. But remember, this process is surrounded with prayer and intentionality and identifying a need. And, and so when the disciples put in the names Matthias and Justice into the jar, they're not just doing it completely randomly. But there does come a time when somehow in the sovereignty of God, he has chosen who to be around them. And at some point in community in our lives, when we're filling the discipleship gap, we need to just embrace the one that God has given us. Because God has not surrounded you with people randomly. It might feel like the roll of the dice. It might feel like animal bones in a jar, but it is not random. God has sovereignly ordained the relationships that surround you. And there may be someone he has divinely placed in front of you to embrace in godly community that you would not expect. This has been true in my life this past year. Uh, One of my uh, most beautiful things that I saw happen during COVID was my relationship with a man named Chris. Uh, and Chris, if you're watching this online, thank you for letting me use your story. Um, he gave me permission yesterday. Uh, somewhere around the time of, I think it was August, late August, I got an email in my inbox from a man named Chris who said, hey, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten saved. I've given my life to Jesus over the course of the summer. I don't really know what I'm doing, and I would love some godly community and maybe some discipleship. Can you help me with that? Yeah, I think I can, Chris. That would be awesome. Let's do it. So we arranged a meeting, and, and I drove down to his house. And curiously, in the email, Chris had indicated, I can't, I can't come to you. I can't come to church. And it's not because of the pandemic. And I found out, and again, Chris has given me this story, his permission to share the story. It's because he's on house arrest. And he's been on house arrest since uh, early in the summer. Um, and I'll let him share the details of that when he's ready. I, I hope that it's soon uh, because we want to have him here. And I know he wants to be baptized desperately. But he was on house arrest and so he could not leave his home. So week after week, I began to visit Chris. And let me tell you all, we're not a lot alike, or at least not on the surface level. Chris grew up in the um, punk scene of the late 70s and early 80s and uh, later joined the Rasta scene down in the Caribbean. Do I look like a Rasta man to you? No, no, not really. I don't. Uh, Chris and I, on surface level, don't have much in common. He's a chef in Dallas. All I make is bagels, according to Jeff. He brought that up a few months ago. Um, We don't share a lot in common, but we share the most important thing in common. That's the Holy Spirit. God knew I would need Chris in my life this past year because week by week, Thursday morning has become the highlight of my week. And Chris has taught me about patience. How are you patient in the Holy Spirit when you're on house arrest? God knew I would need some serious patience this year. Chris has taught me about joy. How are you joyful in experiences that seem so dysfunctional? How do you lean into the Holy Spirit on that? Chris has taught me about that. He's the one that God knew should be in my life. And it may have seemed random at first when I got that email. It may have felt like, A Yahtzee cup thrown out the dice, but God sovereignly ordained a relationship for me that I did not see coming. And if Chris had not leaned into that and I had not leaned into that, we would have missed something incredible. So what I want to encourage you with this morning is, are there people around you that you need to embrace that God has set in front of you that it just feels random? Because it's not random. 
God has someone in front of you that he wants to use to lead you closer to Jesus and use you to lead them closer to Jesus. And how can you take that deeper step with them? Maybe it's a coworker that you barely know. Maybe it's someone sitting in this room. We gather every week, and oftentimes we don't even know each other's names. Maybe it's someone you barely know, or maybe it's someone you don't like that God wants you to take that next step of intentionality and discipleship with. Embrace the one God sets in front of you. I want to show you one more video because I think this video does a good job tying all these things together. Um, and, and this is a video with Johnny and Rebecca Clark, who I had the pleasure to sit down with this past week over Zoom again. And give you a little context, Johnny and Rebecca started attending with us about a year ago. And uh, they had twins around the same time that my wife and I had our son, Lazarus. And so they have two one-year-old twins. I cannot imagine. For, for those of you who had twins in here, God bless you. My goodness. Um, they had twins in January of last year, and one of them ended up having some medical issues. And so they've had to isolate um, pretty intentionally for the past year. But that hasn't stopped them from getting connected. One thing they started doing at DBC early on was getting together with a group called the Connect Group. It's not a life group. It's just a group with open doors. Anyone who wants to come can come. And they've been faithful every week to tune in on that with Zoom. So here's my conversation with Johnny and Rebecca, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up afterwards. Yeah, so we're uh, Johnny and Rebecca Clark. Uh, we've been at DBC for about a year now, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually transitioned from a larger church. Um, we finished up a, a foundational marriage program and uh, just decided to uh, uh, look for something smaller and, and uh, found DBC, fell in love with the church, and here we are. So we joined a connect group initially at Dallas Bible Church because um, we know the value of connecting with people, especially if, uh, if there's a big church. It's really important to get to know people to be, to be known, it's nice to be a part of a small group. And so uh, Johnny and I have been a part of small groups in the past at churches. And it, there's just nothing like spending time with a smaller group of people where you can actually connect with them, which connect group, it's <laughs> rightfully named. <laughs> but um, anyway, so we, we, needed, we needed a place to not just feel known, but also to walk with people. We love supporting other people. We also were in a place of being, and needing to be supported. We had just, um, we had been transitioning churches, looking for a a new church home because we'd like to move up to Richardson. Currently we're in Dallas. And, um, And we had gone through some really challenging moments with having twins, especially um, in January we had twins, of last year we had twins and um, one of them had a heart defect. And so we went through, she was in the hospital for 11 weeks um, before we got home. She had open heart surgery. And then it was just a lot to go through. And then whenever COVID came in, mm-hmm. in the middle of all that, um, we just didn't have, and because we were in transition and going, starting to go to DBC, we just needed a small group of people that could walk with us through some very challenging times or we're just an exhausted state of life and we needed some encouragement and it's true like what the word says is is uh we need encouragement daily from each other and we were weary and it was really nice to be a part of uh something smaller that then makes us feel like we're at home so we needed a home small groups 
specifically the connect group that we've been a part of at DVC has made us feel connected to a larger group um, by the genuine nature of the connect group. Uh, our, our connect group is really amazing uh, whenever we get together on our calls. So we do via Zoom, so virtual since uh, due to COVID. And um, honestly, whenever we first started connecting with the Connect group, um, it was like a fresh breath of air. Mm -hmm. And we get to share stories. So um, everyone shares what's going on with their life, um, what's happened in the last week, and then we get to pray for each other. And so uh, one thing about us is we really value the value, we really value prayer and the power of prayer. And we know that prayer support has really carried us through a lot of moments in our lives. Um, and so it was really neat whenever we connected with our Connect group um, to have that almost immediately, um, especially with the stuff that we were going through. And so, um, I don't know, there's something about prayer, there's something about edification and encouragement that comes from other believers that make you feel a bigger part of the family. One of the things that I've learned and and just kind of my walk with the Lord and, and uh, marriage and kids and everything is um, it's a great place to be encouraged. It's a great place to be admonished when I need it as well. It's a great place to, um, uh, to be real, to be true and transparent. And I, I think like one of the schemes of the enemy is, is to isolate us. And just with the challenges that we face with COVID and, and, uh, I mean, thank God for Zoom and, and the technology we have, even though we're kind of Zoomed uh, out, if you will. Um, but, but I still think at the same time, we're able to, to leverage technology and come together and then at some point in person. But, but I really think that just the enemy uses uh, isolation to, uh, to really choke out our faith. And community is, is the cure for that or one of the cures for that. And I think it's just really important to be connected, um, and not necessarily be connected with with um, all the people in your group that you that you would choose, if you will. Um, and what I mean by that is is um, um, not necessarily finding all the similar people, um, the people that you would like to have in your group, but just the people that are in your group, uh, and the, let the Lord kind of sort out who He wants in that group. Because what that does is that diversity, that person that you had never choose in that group is going to be the one that speaks to you the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I've learned that many times um, just in my past with with groups as well. But but I think it's a it's a great way to be encouraged and and uh, and just live life together. So I don't know if you caught this from their video. I wish I could show you know all 15, 20 minutes where they were talking because they're full of such wisdom. But you really see them model. Those three aspects of filling a community gap. What happened? Well, in January of last year, they had twins. They were in a position of transition, so they knew they had a need. They needed to connect. So what they do? They went to go connect. They went to our connect group at Dallas Bible Church, and they dug into that need, and they prayerfully pursued one another. I, I know that they met on Zoom, and that's hard, but they, they dug into that, and they prayerfully pursued one another to the point that they have become connected to the larger body at DBC, and did you hear what Johnny said at the end? Hey, it may not be the person you think it's supposed to be. It may seem random, but God's divine hand and his appointment is behind it to surround you with people you would never pick because he is picking the ones to make you a better disciple. There's conviction there. There's conviction for me personally. 
So the model of the disciples, I don't think is arbitrary for us. I don't think it's coincidental that God gives us this passage where they appoint another apostle to apostolic leadership because I think what they're showing us is the importance of community and fulfilling the work of Christ. Aaron talked about oneness earlier. Y'all, we have an incredible church. If you're new here at Dallas Bible Church, I just want to tell you, this is an incredible church to know people. I was struck from day one here. I walked in through the door and the next week I came back and seven, eight, nine people knew my name. They knew who I was and they remembered We have a great church for community. We do it so well. We love one another. I love to brag on us as a church. How can we go further? How can we go further? Let's identify our needs. Let's prayerfully pursue them. Then let's embrace the one God gives us. I just want to get real practical for a second. Okay, you might want to do this today at the end of the day. I want you to sit down and take inventory of your heart. This is a great question to ask someone who knows you and loves you. Maybe a best friend or your husband or wife. They're going to be brutally honest with you. Ask them, hey, where do I need to grow? And what kind of person do I need to make that happen? Take inventory of your need. Or look around and say, where does DBC need to grow? Where do they need me? I'm going to be candid with y'all for just a second. We're doing small group signups. We have over 36 small groups or small group uh, participants ready to go. And we don't have enough leaders. We need leaders. We need people to step in and fill that gap. Maybe that's what God would have for you. Uh, and and if, you, if you take inventory of your heart and you see where he's leading you, the next step I want to do is, is just call you to prayerful intentionality. Find that person that you can lift up before the Lord to draw into your community. And then get curious. Look around you. Who could it be that God's already put in front of you to draw in? Well, it's been my pleasure to speak with you all this morning. Uh, it's always my pleasure to get in the Word of God. We're going to have a time of worship uh, where Kim and the band are going to come back. And uh, I'm going to lead you in prayer, and then, uh, and then we're going to join together in one voice, in oneness as a body, in worshiping the Lord. Father God, we are thankful for you. We are thankful for the standard you give us in your word. We're thankful for discipleship and the process you use to make us more like Jesus Christ, and the process you use to make us witnesses of your resurrection into the whole earth. We're excited about Mission Sunday next week. We're going to learn about that. But until then, I pray you'd help us make stock, take stock of our own life, See where we need to fill our community gaps and take action. Prayerfully pursue and embrace the ones in front of us. We are thankful that you have embraced us. Now help us to do the same with others. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.